going on down there. Welcome to WTF at TFW's WTF at TCG, right after uh, Origins happened, but before Gen Con, and also before TF Con is when we're recording, but we're also recording this to mark the area before San Diego Comic Con, which I believe is before Gen Con, and all these things. Anyway, I want to see how many conventions I could say in one go. Hi, Aaron. Welcome. Hey. How you and, doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'll see you very soon. I'll yeah. see you. I'll see you very soon, yeah, yeah, Aaron. You yeah, you will. Uh, unfortunately, it's, it's going to be a bit till I see uh, our guest, Drew Nolosko, brand manager of the Transformers CCG, but we are seeing him virtually in our virtual recording room. Welcome, Drew. Hello, everyone. Uh, how are you doing uh, with, like, you're in between a bunch of stuff right now. You got reveals popping. You got events coming up. You had an event happen. Yep. I am. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh. I am gearing up for the my big summer travel. I'll be at San Diego. I'll be at Gen Con. I'll be a few other places. Uh, um, not all of them public, but work trips nonetheless. And it's it's this is the busy time for me. Oh, I got I got a, a quick travel question for you. I'm just always curious about this when folks do travel a lot. Are you someone who brings basically change of clothes for every day, or do you bring less than that and you wash clothes as you go? Uh, I am neither of those two. Uh, particularly if I'm working conventions, I bring more than one change of clothes per day. Ooh. All right. I have done that. I actually might be doing that for TFCon, to be honest. I'm doing it for TFCon. There's something nice about, like, man, it's been rough today. Go back up to the room. Just even a nice new shirt. Nice clean shirt. Feels good. Yeah, that's exactly Mm. it. Like, if you're working the San Diego Comic-Con show floor for, I don't know, 10 10 hours, at the end of that day, before dinner, I run back to the hotel and change. I bet. I bet. Even in a good case, there's a bit of funk that, no matter what you do, gets gets into those clothes. I am big on funk avoidance and funk deterrent systems, and part of that system is is a fresh change of clothes sometime during the day. Yeah, yeah I I can hear you. I went to the last NYCC I went to was right when they became about a similar size to SDCC. So it's uh, it, it can be daunting, which is um, crazy. I was at the first one, and it was like one tenth of the hall. I, I went to, to New York Comic Con 2011. I didn't. I, I I was away for a few years. I went back less than five years later, and it was almost a completely different show. I was like, "What happened? Where did all these yeah. people come from?" Uh, well, they you know they're they're hitting what is it called that Yotel? A friend of mine uh, really likes Yotel. That's a weird story I can go into, but I won't because uh, the first thing I want to talk about before we get into those convention relevant topics is well, it's still a convention relevant topic. We have had a rules update to the general rules of the game, which uh, is not a common thing with this. In fact, I think this is the first general rules update that is not relevant you know, to a specific card's yeah. legality. Yeah, it is. Um, uh, I, I loved it, uh, Ken's title with his note once more with feeling. Um. Yeah, <laughs> this uh, is in regards to the return of um, a, a permutation of the specialist infinite combo deck. Right. And, uh, I, you know, now that I think now, now that we've made this decision, uh, one of the things there were there were versions of that people were talking about in various fan groups. And one person and I can't remember the person's name was alluding to a much better version of the deck that this person had found um, that was much more consistent in gold fishing and didn't fizzle quite as fast, and that would, I think, I would love to figure this out, but I think he was talking about the Elite 1 version of the deck. Yeah. That's what I was curious about. Yeah, there's there's an Elite, not the Elite 1 
design that Ken was alluding to, but there, there was actually, we found a, a, uh, a version of the deck that had Alita 1 um, as the primary engine with red heat. Uh, that mm-hmm. was not as consistent as the old version, but way consistent en- enough that it, it was time for, for more systematic action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, specifically, if folks haven't kept up, and and hey, darn it, you should have, but if you haven't, because uh, you know, as of this recording, it has only been a day, uh, the rules change is uh, you can only take one extra turn in a row uh, in a game of Transformers TCG. So you can still take tons of Peace or Tyranny, you can still take more than one extra turn over the course of a game you you simply cannot take two turns that are extra turns in a row uh, if i'm wording that correctly if you are if you have played peace through tyranny and take an extra turn and in that extra turn you peace through tyranny or well, you play the card but you don't get the extra turn there, yeah. there is a, okay. an extra turn limit of one i would say the visualization imagine there's like a magic the gathering arena kind of thing if you're on a normal turn the background's silver like normal if you're on your extra turn the background is gold you cannot get an extra turn when the background is gold. That's just like one way I visualized it. Um, I didn't find it too difficult, but I, I, I already saw some people kind of going like, all right, well, now that this has happened. I'm going to, well, I'm going to, you know, they kind of sitting there and it's like, you can do whatever you want. You, you just can't take another extra turn. <laughs> right. And, and pretty critically, you can execute the parts of the combo on your normal turn and on the extra turn. So there are some decks that can do cool things with, with an extra turn. Um, you could oh, yeah. conceivably play mm-hmm. a, a, a number of actions, and if you've got something like you know a, uh, a thundercracker, or if you're drawing a lot of cards and you have a sunstorm, and, um, you, know, you you can use that to gain advantage for that one mm-hmm. turn, and then your opponent gets to do something. And I think that's the critical philosophy thing here: mm-hmm. your opponent gets to do something, and the back and forth between players is is we consider to be core to the Transformers TCG. Right. Um, and that's why we took the 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 a, a basic action first of banning a card, and now we had to take the more the more um, uh, strong action of making a system rules change. Yeah, and uh, I I mean I I'm kind of happy that um what I would call you know multiple specialist abuse is still around because I finally got to try it out. Uh, with I've been trying to figure out some stuff with multiple specialists in Nemesis Prime, and I, I gave it a shot uh, a couple weeks ago, finally. And uh, boy, when it starts popping off, you feel like a superhuman. Uh, and I, I like being able to do that without necessarily having the stigma of I'm also going to lock the game right. uh, attached to it. <laughs> right, right. That was in in the local group. I finally got going. We got to talking about it, and uh, one of the guys was like, "Nah, but." Like, being able to do infinite turns neat, and the other one was like, yeah, but then you're just forcing someone else to watch you play solitaire. How is that fun? Yeah. It's like, yes. well, well, but you win. It's like, well, yeah, but... But everybody loses. Truly. Right. Yeah. Every, you may win, but everybody loses. There's a reason why there is a a segment of the Commander MTG player base uh, who are usually the more numerous but more mumbly uh, part where when someone pops off their infinite combo and they weren't aware that was going to be happening, they're kind of like, okay, well, when do we start the game then, I guess? <laughs> right, and, you know, it's no... I, the, the Commander um, Committee also re- released a philosophy document, I think, Monday. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, game, games need to have guiding philosophies, and one of the right. guiding philosophies here is both players get to play the game. Yeah. Uh, for Transformers. Um, different games can have different philosophies. I, f- I found I was I was seeing it as infinite combos, I think, are really cool to look at someone else do as a thought experiment. 
but when you encounter one it's far less fun uh to be kind of the person who's on the sides of the video when you're watching the video of how it works correct and it interacts extremely poorly with with timed events it, mm-hmm. it, it can go poorly for everyone um, yeah you know that's not this the combo still works up into the point where you can't take the extra turn so now i think what the challenge for players is how can you use the fact that you can take an extra turn and do these things that people have already um uh, uh ginned up to what well, you, you need a new outlet to do something thundercracker is an obvious one if you can play a oh, lot yeah. of actions thundercracker can get pretty big um, there, there are other ways to, to do an interesting thing. We're taking the additional turn and doing that lead up. So set up one turn, execution on the second turn, lets you produce a big you know, splash, but it's, it's, it's the difference between interaction and non-interaction, and the non-interaction of never taking another turn is just harmful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm also, uh, to be honest, I'm... I'm off of all this kind of just excited to to make some kind of maybe janky decks based on the uh i still function peace through tyranny combo off of brainstorm or you know other multi-action plays just because uh every time i've ever used peace through tyranny as an actual played card most of the time my opponent kind of stares for a second going like wait you're actually doing that and i I think it's kind of kind of got a fun shock effect in the current state of you know a lot of competitive players seem in my limited viewpoint, to not really ever use it for that. So it, it seems like a surprise punch you can pull. Um, and I think there are definitely times, like I, I have won a game because I did it once uh, on, you know, a small six-star character. So I, I think this is just open. It's opening up stuff. It's taken a stigma off of Peace Through Tyranny's actual function. So I'm, I'm, I'm into this change. Yeah, it's, um, a, it's a more honest reading of the card. And I, I think that it opens up the door for us to feel safer about printing additional cards in the future. And there's no specific cards that I'm thinking about, although Ken's version of Elite, Elite Old in design, Alita 1, where she gave an additional turn, is you know a, a decent example. Um, yeah. So you know, it's something that it, the, the take an additional turn after this one is something we may revisit now because there's... there's now that it's no longer sa- inherently toxic. That's exactly correct. Uh, yeah. You know, there's, there's one other thing that I wanted to bring up about our thought process leading into this, which is... Um, couldn't uh, an assertion that we you know we do devil's arguments when we're doing making major decisions like this mm-hmm. and one of the devil's arguments that we argued strongly for to see if it was true was can't sideboards just clear this up uh and this particular version of the combo um not only was vulnerable to torox but there are there are some other disruptive things that you could bring from the sideboard in but um after testing that under sort of tournament style rules, um, it still wasn't effective enough of a deterrent. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can just win your game one and then never let your opponent get to a game two by just making sure that the game goes to time, um, or I mean, slow play comes in there. There's, there's there's a lot of complicated things that just make it really messy inside of events, even with the sideboard. And, right. and it seems like you'd have to have a heavy amount of your sideboard be related to exactly solving this one problem rather than having tool toolkits you bust out the entirety of your sideboard as stop this. Exactly. One of the thought experiments was what happens if everyone knows that the best deck in the world is this 
an infinite turns deck. Well, then everybody plays Torox, and they probably mm-hmm. lose their first game and sideboard in their Torox. And then the infinite turns deck sides in some things like Lightning Bolt, if it can, to try and kill the Torox. And then suddenly you've got a game where it's Torox or no, and that's not a fun game either. And then let's assume yeah. that everybody does this. Everybody has an anti-infinite turn deck board. So suddenly, it's not particularly fun for the player playing the infinite turn deck because everybody is prepped against them, and they still might have an advantage. And then B, yeah. the sideboards are really just clones of each other to stop the infinite turn decks, and so we've negated the interesting bit of having a sideboard. If all the sideboards mm. need to, if, or if 66% of the sideboards need to be... You know, yeah. so it, it, it was just a mess, and and making the the sort of baseline change was the best uh, opinion to to fix this. And I, I, like speaking from a, a player perspective, from the outside in, if if a a game with ostensibly kind of one constructed format is in a state where most sideboards are based on negating precisely one deck, it, it to me feels like a bad look. Uh, yes, kind of no, no matter how you slice it. Yeah, it does. <laughs> And then, um, and then casual play where people may not be playing with sideboards. If you, you, know, you go to a casual uh, game night and someone's playing an infinite turn deck, then you've got the social contract problem. People yeah. have agreed to play a casual game and someone shows up with a deck that can just you know, win without player interaction, and then no one's having fun there. So. Yeah. And uh, I, I should also just say for those who haven't read the note, and you should have read the note, <laughs> um, swap parts will remain banned uh, for the given reason it generates too much value for too little cost. Uh, and I, I think that swap parts, like having infinite turns, like both of those things were, you know, kind of not stated, but half stated. That was getting in the way of being able to make new interesting cards, having to take into account those two ideas. Yes. Uh, so I think sw- swap parts remaining banned. It leaves open the ability to have swappable activate on placement things that won't get you know explosive uh, beyond what you might want them to do. Um, and Ken and Ken and, and Matt Smith both had I believe, different ways to semi combo, even with the one turn rule, to semi combo if they had swap parts available and get, and almost guarantee a bot kill a turn. Yeah. So um, that card is is uh, on the two powerful ends and will remain banned. All right. Uh, well, that is your, uh, dear listener, your little update and delve into, uh, the very first grand rules change that we've had, uh, for the game. So we're, we're crossing, we're crossing a lot of bridges. You know, we've had our first band card. We've had our first grand rule change. We're having our first, uh, big organized play qualify, uh, tournament based event. Uh, little games growing up. And I, and I hope the, 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 your listeners and the fan base out there take this as a positive sign. Um, you know, being act, very active and in some cases proactive, we, we, we strongly believe for a, a game new in its life cycle is critical to everybody's having fun. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what, what I'll say is in my, in, you know, my own little circles, uh, while we, you know, we've had lots of debates about the state of swap parts, I have not seen a single person say, oh, they should have... That's ridiculous to not allow multiple extra turns. Um, that that seems to have been quite satisfying to a lot of folks. I think there's um, a very, very tiny minority of players who wanted us to ban uh, Peace Through Tyranny instead. Oh, I, yeah, I think I think that's still going to float around. Yeah, but uh, even folks I know who are on you know that side of the argument seem to be quite satisfied to see only one extra turn in a row um, as a ruling. So. I, it seems like it's hit a pretty good midpoint so far. Yes, because the, the net effect is that it, this does definitively kill 
infinite combo decks. Uh, all right, well, uh, from that, let's get into uh, some of the upcoming tech we're talking about. Hard segue into uh, fresh uh, new cards that have been revealed that are coming out in the coming months. Uh, first up, let's let's hit the the smaller uh, amount of stuff to talk about, which is the Omnibots, the convention pack of three characters. Um, there, there's a lot, you know, obviously lots and lots of discussion about a convention pack. Uh, we, we do have a stigma over the phrase, but John Shork has done a lot of legwork, um, on social media to point out as much as he can, uh, which is that there will be a lot more, um, copies of this product produced exponentially more than, yeah. uh, there was last year. Yes. Thousands more, thousands and thousands yeah. more. Uh, there, okay. there will, there will be a lot more, uh, and that, that comes in tandem with, um, the, uh, you know, reasons that cannot be divulged, uh, in, in words I have read, um, that this convention pack will only be at SDCC and Hasbro Pulse. Correct. And, you know, I, I just want to, you, you brought up John, John's doing a fantastic job in this, in, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a difficult atmosphere and we get it and we understand. I mean, mm-hmm. the original plan, um, that was changed for regions that we're not going to talk about uh, or can't talk about was to have the 35th anniversary edition be the SDCC only and related online sales product and the convention pack be available at all the conventions throughout the year. Um, and then we, we, were, we had to restrict the convention pack to SDCC and its sales. And at that point, we're like, well, I, I, we want to give, make sure that there's something available at all the conventions that people are going to that's special. So we, we flopped them. Okay, and, yeah. and so that was the prototype for plans going forward. And while I don't actually even have 2020 plans, you know, uh, finalized or greenlit for, for convention products, that we're going to go into that with the same philosophy. And we're going to do our diligence uh, in such a way this time that we make sure that we don't get hit with this weirdo incident. Yeah. You guys just keep stumbling across corner cases. It's because what we try heck? and do weird things with the Transformers brand. And I was going to say, like, weird corner case legality, like anyone who's been a Transformers fan long enough, if you think about it, like, this is not this is not un- unseen territory for Transformers fans. Yeah. Just like strange, borderline, inexplicable without knowing a lot of very niche, uh, not just not just copyright laws, trademark laws, all kinds of things. To, to, to the, the like, wonders like of the scenarios. siege uh, jet fire finally being able to be done the way that he is. That toy, oh my god, that toy is amazing. Yeah, I, I'll, uh, be, I'll be talking about it later this evening when we record our normal podcast. Oh, Jeez, you had? Have you gotten your hands on one yet? Yeah, yeah, I've got one in the other room. The the okay, I'm not going to spoil. I'm just shaking my head. I'm not going to spoil this, but the particular feature related to. Uh, um, Jetfire's uh, history uh, and allegiance mm-hmm. is amazing. Yeah. It is incredibly smooth how well that works. Yes, it is, right? Um, Warden and I were at New York Toy Fair and standing next to each other, and he was demoing that, and I was demoing the, te- the uh, Devastator, and I was, just, mm-hmm. we were, I was just looking at his Jetfire. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're like, I'll trade you. Right? It's like, I have several <laughs> shows over. What do I get the dumb card game thing? I want to play with the toy. I mean, no, this is an important... Well, you're like, you're, we're, both, we're both Hasbro, technically, right? Like, when the show's done, we've demoed everything. What if I give you the Devastator cards? You give me that, that Jetfire, it's fair. Yep. It's, <laughs> that, sadly, that didn't happen, and I have to... Anyway. Um, uh, but he is a Siege character. Mm-hmm. So, that's good news for everyone. Yes. Uh, 
I've been recently finding more Siege toys and looking at the box art and going like, all right, full art. Oh, wait, no. Wait, I get it. This is <laughs> <laughs> like I, just, I got I got Soundwave and Starscream, uh, who both I, I was messing with both of them during sealed uh, launch events. And it was th- the moment when I got the packaging and was filming the art side. And I was, oh, wait, I recognize this art. I I, I should film this with a card. Um but uh, yeah, the Omnibots, uh, Overdri- Sergeant Overdrive, uh, and Privates, Downshift and Camshaft, uh, they are three cars who are Omnibots, uh, and they all have a very interesting interlinked uh, kind of uh, play style, uh, which is based on upgrades. Yes. Uh, at the start of your first turn, uh, Overdrive can have, a, can have, or not, Overdrive allows you to put a utility onto one of the Omnibots. Uh, Downshift lets you put a weapon onto one of them, and Camshaft lets you put an armor onto one of them. I... Like the open nature, kind of kind of soft open nature of that, in that you can pile all three onto one, or you can spread it out. You absolutely can, and that's one of the. So it's really interesting design work because here because when you're building your deck, you really have to pay attention and think super super deep about what your upgrade to action card ratio is, um, mm. and how important it is for you to maximize that first turn play. Right. Because um, you could theoretically do some disgusting things on the first turn. Oh yeah, or start with all actions and get nothing. Or start with all actions and get nothing, right? Like, and de- <laughs> decks that are all upgrades are not as efficient as decks that are all that are mixes, and vice versa. Although there are you know niche reasons to to play more of one or the other, and this is one of the ones that we we specifically designed for that purpose. Well, the the thing I really want to see happen is uh, like right off the top of my head, uh, one of these Omnibots is a specialist, and that opens some interesting stuff up for turn one. It does. It does. Uh, and I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see how that goes, because you could technically put nine p- upgrades in your deck off the top of my head. That would allow you to do something on turn one, when right. you usually can't. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you could play Camshaft. He is eight stars, right? Um, so he does take up you know a full third of that de- specialist deck, which is limits your number of star cards that you can play in it, um, mm-hmm. provided you, what your other specialist mix is. But... Um, yeah, and he lets you play in armor, which is kind of neat. Yeah. Um, also, I just, just want to add, like, th- this art is all all looks like it's in line with the original art that's been uh, spotted throughout Siege 1. That's correct. Ev- everything in uh, all six pieces here are all new art. They do feature some very light redesign of the characters, uh, bot and alt modes, to bring them up into, um, I would say, a little bit more of a modern, posable look for the characters. Yeah. yeah. And uh, oh, come on, those original toys were perfectly wonderful bricks. <laughs> yeah, yes, they, you know it's funny they they are uh, they have gorgeous alt modes. Uh, the original toys, I love the. Um, God, I can't remember the the acronym. Oh, uh, uh, oh it begins an S. Something technology. I'm never going to remember scope. now. It scope. Just, I just saw it. Is it scope technology? Scope. Uh, I think so. Uh, oh man, we're all horrible people this day. Plus, it's that thing, right? Yeah, I see it in my mind's eye. I'm about to say it, and then when I think about it, it just slips right out of there. Yeah, it's I, like the floor is made of glass. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, we definitely did this as new art specifically to fit them into the Siege universe. We worked with the Hasbro team so that if they were in the Siege universe, what would their concept be? And uh, with Hasbro, we came work with them, and then we came up with the idea that they would be their own special mission, special ops team. Um, so that they would work together, they would work specifically with each other and augment each other, um, and 
uh, Hasbro gave them ranks as as all of the other uh, uh, characters in Siege One. It was a really fun projects. I'd also just like to quickly, like you were mentioning, modernizing the art. I want to just quickly congratulate Camshaft on finally having two very distinct legs. Um, uh, I think for the first time in his in his lifespan, with that you know very obviously G one style body type. You mean where uh, where his uh, his feet and legs are are basically one unit that you pull down? Yeah. Yep. Yep. He was uh, he was he was he was one of my my original uh, childhood toys, and he was I think the the one I remember the most for, for I just assumed he only had one leg with wheels on the bottom when I was a kid. For me, it was so, topspin uh, and, um, t- and twin twist as a kid because that when uh, their 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 legs had to be locked together for the flipping mechanism to work. Yeah, for the jump start mechanism. Yeah. Yep. So they had that like that that little junky bit of plastic that that connected their legs together, and that like. Because the legs were separate, but then had that locked together piece at the bottom, I was like, "This, this is just too much for me." I just, I, I disbelieve. That's the thing that broke the the beliefs camel back. <laughs> this is a toy. This is. <laughs> um, but uh, Aaron, uh, I just pop over to you. What? How are how are your reactions to the Omnibots? Um, I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing just the different ways that you know those being able to you know maybe initially play you know, for upgrades on your first turn and then have the, you know, additional bold or or tough right out of the gate, depending on how that spread happens. Um, mm-hmm. I, th- I think there'll be some, some like, interesting, like, catch-you-on-the-back-foot type of decks for a, a first go. That, oh, yeah. Yeah, and so there's, the, there's another interesting thing. If you can manage to get all four... Um, uh, equipment and you're playing mm. by playing second and being able to play that equipment play as your for, as your for, as second player's card play, you mm-hmm. can flip overdrive and focus four, and um, you can theoretically uh, control what your card draw is on the next turn. Yeah, because you'll flip two of them, and presuming that there's no white pips there, you'll be able to have a, a, a little. Not not saying this is great. But it is kind of fun. But just a little bit of filter. Yeah, and you'll be sorry, not your next draw. You'll you'll be able to set up your um, your defense on your, your opponent's defense, turn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I've been finding just having played sealed siege that uh, focus one is neat. Focus two is uh, very abusable. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. And and so yeah, I'm, I'm really I'm really interested to see like these higher focus levels. Yeah. Uh, in action. Yeah. Focus focus one is like um, I'm adjusting my probability. Focus focus two is oh this is now I'm starting to be able to do to do things and then when you get to focus three it's it it starts to get oh I'm crafting this flip yeah yeah uh, between that and and my King Starscream deck uh, the couple times I've managed to pop off Master Plan bigger than two cards uh, it's it's been like also having to start paying attention to where I place that first white pip card to make the rest of that draw happen for a big attack, for instance. It's uh, it's kind of fun. Yep. Um, also, there's one other thing I noticed about these guys. They are three cars, and they are very much oriented towards getting to robot mode and kind of staying there if they can. Yes. Also a very different play pattern for cars who frequently want to be flipping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, uh, the reason for that is because they're, since they're so upgrade-focused, you are less like... There are less opportunities for you to build... Your your deck with cards that give you extra character flips. 
And oh yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we wanted you to be able to do a bunch of setup work and then spend turns getting them into bot mode and battling. Yeah, and uh, I mean, like I, the the classic, you know, quote unquote classic cars play style of kind of fairly orange aggro with a lot of a lot of flipping and and untapping uh, is fun. Is as I, I like seeing cars that kind of encourage um, alternate play style. So eventually, you have enough of them where you can just get this line of cars up <clears throat> where you don't feel as obligated to go so aggro yep and depending on how how your upgrade uh draw goes like you might want camshaft to be your first attacker to give you a couple you know at least one additional turn of relative safety provided you know let's say he's get he's got tough three that's it's not bad Mm -hmm. um yeah you know because because you 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 want them to have a lot of upgrades and that requires work and work is time well, I, I could also see some interesting stuff using some of, like, you know, with, using Trailbreaker, <clears throat> for instance, to have, you have Camshaft with likely an armor on turn one and Trailbreaker with uh, Force Field on, on turn one. Uh, and it, it almost lets you be able to run kind of Autobot land vehicles where, you know, cars, trucks, where you can build yourself a little turtle shell for those opening, that opening cycle, uh, give yourself room to breathe. Absolutely true. You know, you know, you, we haven't really talked about um, using the, the, the Omnibots outside of a full Omnibot team. But I, I do want to point out there, once, one of the things that we saw and learned from last year's Convention Edition pack, the 2018 pack, was in that pack, you, you didn't get a full playset of everything in, in the pack, mm-hmm. in one pack. And that was a distinct design change for the 2019 pack. We, wanted, we just specifically wanted people to only feel like they needed to purchase one. Maybe, one, maybe if you're a collector, keep one sealed and open one to play but we didn't want people to have to chase down three packs to get a playset. And, and the one thing i was hoping that would happen from that ended up not happening because I, I was hoping okay people will try to hunt down triplicate uh 2018 packs and then we will flood the aftermarket with slipstream and cliff jumper but that didn't happen <laughs> uh there just weren't enough was, of those packs yeah. yeah that's that's the thing that i i was very wrong about uh that i was saying in the fall last year and uh yeah to myself as well uh, there are there are regrets. Um, yeah, regrets. How many of those I shipped off for people before realizing what their value would be? Aaron here regretting being a good friend. That's yeah. interesting. That's <laughs> uh, we'll 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 talk about that in person in a day or two. Uh, you're literally going to meet up with and stay with one of the folks you hooked up with a pack. Yep, <laughs> I just realized. Uh, anyway, uh, anything else about the Omnibots, uh, Aaron? You want to throw in? Uh, no, I think uh, most everything I had on mind was uh, touch base on. All right. Uh, well, these things are coming uh, in time with uh, SDCC. Uh, those of you who can, you know, keep an eye on Hasbro Pulse. That's like next week. Yeah. Oh, God, you're right. Time flies. <laughs> I hate this. It's already July. What's happening? <laughs> Where did the summer go? Um, but uh, what, what I'll say for folks who might not be, uh, like, as in touch with the toy side of things, uh, Hasbro Pulse launched recently as basically a straight up replacement to the various Hasbro toy shop storefronts, uh, during which we discovered there were actually multiple Hasbro storefronts or Hasbro toy shop storefronts different, depending on the different brands. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go back in our podcast history and find us discovering all that. But, um, Aaron and, uh, and TJ, uh, both, uh, and, and other people I know who are in the States as well, all did some interaction with Hasbro Pulse and, 
upfront, it seemed like a smoother experience. We have not yet had a limited convention item that I'm aware of run through Hasbro Pulse. So that's still going to be a fresh thing. But um, what I'll say is Hasbro Toy Shop uh, is no more. Um, so we will soon discover if Hasbro Pulse is going to occupy a similar state uh, when it gets hammered. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, reach out to your to your friends who are able to order it if you're not able to. It, it sounds like whatever happens, there is going to be thousands more uh, of those packs out there. So hopefully a bucket brigade can be sorted out uh, as it needs to be. And uh We'll all come out the other end, simply pursuing slipstreams. Um, that's a local Toronto thing. There's a bunch of friends of mine all want slipstream. Um, and that brings us to the aforementioned other convention thing, which is also technically a new retail thing that we just discovered is launching on September the 20th. I remembered the date. I'm very proud Yay. of myself. Uh, it's good because I was going to talk about the date. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> that that just popped up on social media. But this is the Blaster versus Soundwave box set. Um Probably a box set that, like myself and many others, had kind of logicked out as probably being a thing. There, there were a given... number of people who successfully guessed the plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I felt like it was just—it was so likely. It was almost like if it isn't the Blaster versus Soundwave box set, that's more exciting because then I have no idea what it is. <laughs> yeah, uh, but this is a set. The set is already kind of going outside of what I was expecting. This is uh, eight new character cards. Yep, and uh, I believe it's seven new battle cards. So there's mm-hmm. there's seven unique new battle cards um, in this product. Uh, so the the game design is the same between the retail edition and the 35th anniversary edition. The art, yes, the yes. art on the character cards and the packaging is is the the difference. Um, mm-hmm. And yes, so there's seven unique battle cards. Um, uh, plus a whole bunch of reprinted cards that form two 40-card decks. So there's an Autobot deck and a Decepticon deck, and there's Blaster in his cassettes, mini cassettes, and there's Soundwave in his mini cassettes, and you can play them right out of the box against one another. Yeah. And uh, just a quick question before we actually get into the, the cards themselves, because um, I've been kind of I've been collecting um, the precon decks to kind of keep aside as a, as a small kind of growing battle box scenario I want to try out. Um, these two precon decks, would you say they are in the same realm as Metroplex and Devastator as if you were playing precon versus precon sort of randomized, there would, there would be a sort of similar power level? So, so the, the two decks themselves are balanced against one another. It, this is, they're not easy decks to, to play from a terms of skill level point of view, that mm-hmm. deploying, figuring out when's the right time to recover cassette. Um, these are... These are complicated actions. Um, okay. And the decks out of the box are probably the same level-ish as Devastator and Metroplex. Um, but there, there are definitely more ideal uh, uh, versions of the battle deck that you can build. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's only right. so many rare cards we can stuff in a, in a, sealed, in yeah. a, in a fixed deck mm. product. I'm just thinking, um, I'm thinking as far as, like, my, my whole idea is even the, the original starter deck, I just like having all these, these pre-cons set up where we will eventually just dice roll them, and that's who gets which deck. Um, so there will be, you know, little fluctuations here and there, but uh, I'm, I'm kind of excited to have two more of those to add in, because uh, that would bring me up to six, and I could use a D6 to decide who gets what deck. Oh, that's fun. Um, and uh, I, I want to try that format out. It's, it's, there's a couple sub-formats I really want to start playing around with now that we're on Wave 3. It's that and uh, trying out a a popper-style format now that there's a bigger card pool. But that's neither here nor there. 
Um, so the the new cards, we'll go to the characters first because, I mean, that's always the draw. Um, and as you said, the San Diego Comic-Con uh, edition, 35th anniversary edition, um, or just the convention edition, I should say. The uh, packaging and the character cards utilize G1 packaging art. That's uh, correct. That is, that's kind of their, their variant. So it, it just, um, I just want to jump in there. It is the 35th anniversary edition. Um, it, this is the way that the Transformers TCG is participating in the overall Transformers 35th anniversary celebrations this year. Okay. Hmm. All right. So, uh, so the one question that I will ask is, um, so IGN kind of showed off a bunch of the card art mm-hmm. for us. Um, is since these are also branded with the 35th anniversary, do the convention exclusive ones versus the retail ones have the same battle card art? The, the battle card art is the same, but okay. the, the retail edition aren't battle cards are not marked 35th anniversary. Okay. Okay. All right. That clears up. That clears up an odd speculation I'd seen floating around that I was yeah. pretty sure wasn't the case. <laughs> so, for example, your interpret the airwaves in the 35th anniversary will have um, where the where the wave symbol would normally mm-hmm. be. It, it says 35th anniversary. Um, for the retail edition, it does not. Okay. Okay. Um. Because yeah, the uh, the characters uh, have got that sort of Metroplex style deployment on flip. They do um, kind of thing. Which when Metroplex came out, uh, more than one person had posited fairly quickly as being a way to do cassettes. Um, the difference here that I think is interesting is is twofold. It's uh, instead of starting with cassettes under them, they start with the cassettes that are on your team under them, which very specifically says those cassette star values do actually count towards the team. But the one that really made me double take is, uh, and, and it's partly I'm sure f- for the sake of being able to just have these decks be functioning as legal decks, but it also makes makes for some interesting deck build ideas. Your starting star limit increases by one for each mini cassette on your starting team. Yeah, what do you think of that? If you have, yeah, like if you have blaster or soundwave on your team, how do you guys think about that? That because it's a little bit a little bit out of left field there. Yeah, I mean, like, like off the top of my head, I'm like, all right, that means that you have room for three more star cards, mm-hmm. which means that that you know, in a in a product sense, each one of them can have a star card in the deck without things getting crazy. Uh, but that means you could have blaster and a cassette, for instance, so 15 stars on a team, and then they count as 14 stars. Mm-hmm. And that that seems like that seems very interesting, given the number of 11-star characters there are who always break my little team setups I start thinking up, and then it turns out they're 11 stars and not 10 stars. Well, uh, just, to, just to be... This is a technically correct thing. Uh, your star limit goes up by one, so they don't count as, as uh, 14 stars. You get an extra star. Or, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, like, for the math count... Yes, just for yes, of, yeah. You get to play an extra star's worth of stuff, whether that and that could be an eleven star character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like he's still Blaster is still a ten star character for the purposes of a whole lot of cards. Uh, yes, actually, same with same with the mini cassettes being five star characters. But uh, yeah, there's like I've actually not even really fully digested all of this stuff because this was this went beyond uh, just new characters. This was eight new characters with multiple inter integrating mechanics. That are not really they're they're exclusive to the box, but not exclusive to a faction. 
And then the new battle cards are in there as well, uh, one of which introduces a, a massive new mechanic that we're going to talk about. Um, but I also kind of enjoyed that, like, A, that you, you're not faction restricted with the, the, the micro or mini cassettes because, you know, the Autobot ones and Decepticon ones have sort of mirrored abilities across the, the six characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to, oh, who was it? Um, where are they? It's the ones who do bold one, tough one. Ravage and uh, the one who does bold one. Uh, Steeljaw. I would like to run Ravage and Steeljaw just on a team with someone who also has inherent uh, bold and tough who is 10 or more stars, like General Optimus. Uh, I'm really interested in just seeing how that plays for the opening cycle. Um, like Steeljaw and Ravage, I think, have me the most excited personally uh, outside of playing as deployed mini cassettes. Um, I like inherent... Uh, you know, ability placement stuff, but, uh, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, something. no, 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 go for it. I, 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 I oh. agree with you completely. I think, I think team wide abilities are fantastic. It's definitely, we, we've definitely tried a number of new and interesting abilities in this box set specifically for players who are probably on the higher end of, of skill level. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and that, that is, that is one that I really enjoy. Yeah, just just adding bold and tough like it's it's sort of like opening up um it's like it's not just hers but flame you know wave 1 flame war is the classic one get her to bot mode everyone has tough one. Uh it's it's part of what makes her such a popular inclusion in a lot of decks. So uh I I also feel like in in a way um there's a there's a lot of stuff in here that is like specifically those two they really encourage uh larger characters to be used um in like I still feel like you know the very large ten plus star characters, uh, it's always always a risk to run them um, in in some fashion, and it's also always a risk to to run them where they're kind of the sole focus, and you don't really have a backup plan. Uh, and and right. I, I, I like I like seeing them get like direct support in this sort of way. Um, right. Two, I appreciate that it's not on the stealth side too. <laughs> right. Eleven nine five uh, with with ravage or. Um... You know, is a, is a is perfectly viable or ten ten. Um, you know, any of those combinations, and it now gives you a three wide team where your third character is primarily there for the bonus. And uh, also, I'm I'm enjoying the number of specialists on here. Like as you said, you know, something that's going to be a little bit trickier to run, including the specialist tag many times throughout the characters uh, is definitely opening up and welcoming people who want to really play around with this. Um. So that, just looking at the characters, Aaron, uh, I was curious, have, have you got any thoughts or any standouts that you want to um, cover? Like, again, specifically because the way that uh, TFCon LA treated me with Metroplex, I just like Eject, can't use, enemies yeah. can't use bold. <laughs> yeah, right. Eject. Nah, yeah. no, no, Metroplex, go sit down. Go sit down, this little tiny cassette's locking you up, son. And then it's getting like, stepped hey, on, but... What's up? We got eject. We got acid storm. We're we are deactivating you, Metroplex. We yeah. don't want to deal with this. Uh, and auto, and some versions of Autobot cars, like the ones that include Wheeljack. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the 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 pseudo Grimlock Wheeljack yeah. setup is terrifying. Um, and I mean, Aaron, you you also just just straight up Wave One style. You you had those great heart monitor moments with uh, yeah. kickback. Yeah, uh, that, coming at you. That I don't know if. Uh, if you heard our our or my uh, reports from Origins, but second game was going up against Bugs, 
And uh, my my Apple Watch with the heart monitor started kicking off, saying like, "Hey, you okay? <laughs> your heart your your heart's going really fast, and it doesn't seem like you're working out. Do we need to we need to do something?" I was just like, "Nah, just bugs eating me alive. That's all." Yeah. Um, and also, I should I should mention Soundwave has the leader tag uh, that opens up uh, Callous Leadership and uh, Decepticon Crown. Mm-hmm. Um, there's yeah, there is there's a lot of stuff to to be messed with in this uh, the setup. And uh, that also extends to the battle cards, uh, which I got all open here. Right. Uh, uh, wait, noticed... whoa, whoa. There's, there's another interesting leader possibility in that Blaster does not have a leader tag. And I just want to point that out. They are not symmetrical. Oh, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So uh, Blaster cannot take the Matrix of Leadership. He's just not worthy. And I, I, I think that's very important because every time a Matrix Bearer ability character pops up, it's, it's like when, when people saw Top Shot. It's like here's a four star who can be given a matrix. Yep, uh, that's a thing. The matrix is a. Re- In fact, I think the matrix's biggest weakness as a card is just the number of times that we as players sometimes forget it's giving plus one pierce one to other people. Yes, it's not something um, that you. It's it's not a selfish card. Um, it would be great if Blaster could have the matrix. It would be perfect for his little cassettes, but alas. Yeah, it would be a bit much. I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, that, that also brings us to the battle cards. Um, I'm just going through a little list I have here. There is uh, you know, a very uh, nostalgia-oriented one, Buzzsaw Ravage Frenzy Attack. Uh, guess what? It has effects if Buzzsaw Ravage or Frenzy are on the field. Yep. Uh, obviously, this is the one you want to play once you've got all three of them on the field. Again, all seven of these are new art. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and this is, this is some really cool art. Uh, I just want to, like, I'll always give, you know, big shouts out to the artists. I'm actually looking forward at uh, TFCon this weekend. I am going to be getting, hopefully, a copy of Squish'em Like Bugs signed by Sarah Petra Durocher because I'm, I love that card. Fantastic, that fantastic. Um, so, uh, Volta, now Keywords, did the art for these seven cards as well. And uh, Dan, Kahana, Dan, Dan Kahana did the, um, the Omnibots. And okay. Mar- uh, Marcello Materi did the alt modes for the the characters in the 35th anniversary edition. Oh, nice. Um, I, I should say also, I, I really enjoy the, uh, the retail versions artwork for the mini cassettes. Uh, it is a thing to get mini cassettes to have kind of dynamic artwork in 2019. Um, and I, I like the various scenarios. Some of them are in, um, <laughs> I'll pass that along. <laughs> yeah. It's just, uh, it, it's, it's difficult to not just have a, a little brick, you know, and it's just sitting there and then, hey, here's the here's the alt mode. <laughs> um, you know, just having having you know, a little a little setting around them, I think, really helps. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Buzzsaw Rabbit Frenzy Attack. Also, I'm looking forward to hearing players have to say that in full when they, when they play it. Um, I'm sorry. What's the name of that card? Uh, Buzzsaw Rabbit Frenzy Attack. OK, uh, no, 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 it's so, not. It's Buzzsaw Ravage Frenzy Attack. Oh, man. Sorry. Did you guys Soundwave was just in the room? I don't know if any of you all heard that. Oh my god. Oh you guys, I am so proud of the how to play video for Blaster versus Soundwave. <laughs> I, oh. 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 I am so, so I I don't it didn't I, even occur to me. I don't always write the scripts to the videos, but I wrote this one. All right. All right. Uh when when is that going to be popping up on the app? Uh, I, be- I believe this <laughs> I believe this one actually updates on August 16th. It's a, it's a little bit of a weird update date because it's neither when... Anyway. Um, yes. All right. Uh, here, I, uh, 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 this is all I will say. Hello, and welcome to the Autobots show. I'm your host, Blaster. 
Oh boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I am uh, a quiet fan of I, I just consider that to be its own its own little continuity it's yes. a little parallel universe the tcg universe where they all play the tcg yeah and uh megatron's <laughs> a salty gamer and they're so um, right they're self-aware <laughs> yeah I, I like that universe it's my second favorite universe uh my favorite one being universal studios megatron but that's a whole other thing um i like to imagine they're more parallel than separate in a way but i have a great love for the universal studios megatron um, if you haven't seen videos of him, you should check that out. I, I have. I perhaps have been on that ride. Yeah, I uh, I chickened out. I got in line to go and talk to him, and then I, I got I got lost for words because I was like, "You're actually too perfect. I don't know what to say." And then uh, so I just silently took a picture with him, and when I walked away, he just went like, uh, "Tourists." Yeah. The, did you see the video <laughs> of the kid who brought the head of Mega of like Bumblebee's head to that Megatron? When he held his arms yeah. in the air and roared, perfect, wonderful, welcome to the Decepticons, I knight you, uh, welcome, I, I call you Decepticon, whatever. <laughs> so Kevin. cool. Yeah. It was so cool. <laughs> yeah, that is That, that kid is probably... went back to school and like, nah, Megatron's got my back now, man. Look, here's video proof. Yeah, that that's probably, I think, the that if there was a w- some way to have uh, specifically performer megatron subtitle universal studios nefarious tyrant as a character card someday in this in this game <laughs> i'd be down for that um that yeah, be when you... universal studios asks for an exclusive crossing hey. the, crossing the streams unfortunately hey. <laughs> yeah but uh just coming back to that card if you got all three of those characters on the field you're playing a battle card to draw a card do a damage and then making your opponent scrap an armor right so that's that's a lot you're you're mm-hmm. you're just default up a card uh, yeah, <laughs> and you get to do a damage to boot. Yeah, and you get to pick the damage, which I think is is very important to point out. Um, I've noticed that that's kind of a balancing point for some d- uh, direct damage stuff or out of combat damage stuff. Yes, whether or not you get to decide, and so one damage where you're picking it uh, is is pretty solid, pretty, pretty clutch. Yeah. Um, next card on my little list is daring counterattack. Uh, it's an orange action. The other one, by the way, is a black pip action. Uh, but this one, uh, is a character who gets plus one attack to under turn for every mini cassette in your KO area. And then if blasters there, they also get pierce six. So, uh, this seems like, uh, maybe to me, this seems like a really, a really fun, if you're running a deck with blaster, like you have this on the sideboard for when you're facing someone who's really turtled up. Um, because even if no one is is KO'd, you're still someone's getting Pierce Six to end a turn. I mean, Pierce Six is a very large number. That's a very mm-hmm. large number. <laughs> that that is and there are that is a lot of damage that is not getting prevented. There are several characters who could team up with Blaster who have a base damage where Pierce Six. They don't have to do anything else. They have Pierce Six now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you need this character KO'd, accept yeah. no substitutes. Like, this is, it is not this, but it is very close to a deal six damage card uh, on certain characters. So I'm, uh, and also I noticed it's not a star card. So I'm, uh, this is one that uh, obviously has to come with blaster, but it's yet another little complication for deck building you can work in uh, when you're using these characters. It's not a star card, but you do need to use a blaster, but it is also an orange pip. So, yeah, I mean, in decks that, that, you know, it's interesting because when decks have, Really, some decks need to really desperately do a lot of damage right now. Um, mm. And yep, there you go. Yeah. Well, then also Inner Groove. You know, it's a white pip utility. Uh, its its limiter is it is mini cassettes only, but it's a plus one plus one utility, uh, which 
to me is very like like raw stat boost uh like or or boulder tough utility slot cards um as of siege anyway have become more of a thing for me on my radar uh this feels like this could do some work if you're running the mini cassettes regardless of if you have blaster or Soundwave. yep um, um, you know this is a, we we put the limitation on there for mini cassettes only because if if there was plus one plus one on a utility that was general use that would probably be the most used utility in the game oh yeah yeah <laughs> uh, uh, by far, like maybe outside of a specialist setup. Yes, that, that seems like that would trump a lot of utility use. Um, and then the uh, next one on my list here is our first double black pip card, uh, which still gets a star, mm-hmm. uh, even though that that is not part of the Metroplex equation. It's it's still falling under the double pips are usually stars if they're the same color. Um, this is a sound wave card. You draw two, and then you take a card from your opponent's scrap pile, put it on their deck. So you basically ruin their defense flip, uh, among mm. other things. Correct. Um, or if you're, you know, I guess there is a scenario where that might deactivate Wheeljack's bold if you think they're not going to get a weapon back into the scrap pile. Uh, it's probably a bit riskier, but uh, I mean, there are there are yeah. there are some some very few niche uses where that does something on top of just giving them a, a pip that they're not going to find useful. But right, as yeah. the game grows, this card has more potential. And uh, given that just draw two cards is a basic action card, the, the additional stuff you get out of this, uh, even with the sound wave limitation, we think necessitated the star. And uh, just for clarification, uh, I believe this was in a rules roundup, but play only if sound wave that does include major sound wave, if I recall correctly. That's correct. So if it doesn't, if it doesn't uh, say um, the full name of the character, uh, like major sound wave or sound wave communications, it's any sound wave. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so this this could find its way into into a basic soundwave deck in that if you're running the spy patrol trio, you do have those four stars. Uh, left over yes and also um black pips are pretty good in the spy patrol deck yeah let me tell you about all the work Laserbeak was doing at the sealed events i went to (laughs) Laserbeak died first after a little while uh generally across the board because Laserbeak is a nuisance uh especially when you play calculated strike and then you untap him during an attack and he attacks twice with four pierce four um and then uh, next up, we got another star card. This is Interpret the Airwaves, double orange star card. Uh, needs Blaster on your team, and you can look at the top five cards of your deck and then put them back in any order. Uh, it's kind of like what a lot of people really want Master Plan to do before they read the card further. Uh, this is a very MTG feeling, uh, like blue control style effect to me of I'm just going to arrange these top five. I'm going to arrange, if there's no white pips, my attack flips, my defense flips, and what I draw next. Yes, and that's why five right. five is the why five is the number. That is a lot of um, rearranging. There's also some weirdo things that you can do with stuff like fuel cash. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> um, that's a lot. That's a lot of work, but that is doable. It is doable. Um, I don't know how good that is, but. Because we don't know how good in the future rearranging that many cards on the top of your deck is, we we gave this one a star. Also, in general, I think I mentioned this on a podcast a long time ago, we're, we're very wary of just adding in free-to-play in your deck double orange cards and double blue cards. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's fuel. I mean, specifically, that is fuel for Metroplex that will 
I think, tip Metroplex way too far. Yes, that, that's also why this ability has a limitation on play this on someone who's incompatible with Metroplex. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you could <laughs> just arrange the top five cards of your deck in a Metroplex deck, you're just like, so uh, it's not the infinite combo deck. No. <laughs> but I will alt every single time I attack. So, you know, have fun. But... <laughs> uh, so the uh, yeah, I got two more left. Uh, Obstructive rhythm uh, is a white pip armor uh, for every mini cassette on the field. Upgraded character gets tough one. Uh, that's kind of cool. In it, like you know, once again, I'll kind of repeat myself, but that's another one where you can you know, if you're running the mini cassettes on their own in a team without blaster or sound wave, this is more benefits for running them. Yep. And then we come to the then we come to the biggie. Yeah, recover cassette blue pip. Uh, if you have blaster or sound wave on the battlefield. You can take one of your mini cassettes from the battlefield, uh, or you can put one of your mini cassettes from the battlefield under Blaster or Soundwave. Uh, and if you do, repair two damage from a character, then put this card into your KO area, which is without changing the game's rules, kind of bouncing off Battlemasters halfway. That that is kind of like putting it into an exile state. It it, it sort of is. Right now, there's nothing that I, I remember correctly. There's nothing that gets car, uh, battle cards back from the KO area. Period. Uh, correct. So, mm-hmm. uh, this is this is a keep it out of the game. Um, you're right. It, it is effectively exiling without having to create a new game mechanic or game state of exiling. And this is this is another one of those abilities that we're we're trying out here and seeing how the how the fan base reacts to it. We think that this is a a valuable play, design space for us to allow for more powerful abilities, and that we just don't want to have repeatable effects. Yeah. Yeah. And um, just a quick question. So when you put the mini cassette back under Blaster or Soundwave, do they keep their damage counters on them? I am extremely embarrassed to tell you I am texting Matt Smith right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That was the one thing I was curious about, only because I actually use counters. So I'm I'm like, oh, I'm going to have a wobbly Blaster Soundwave for a little bit. (laughs) So I am going to guess that he resets health. Yeah. Like, that's that's my... um, that's kind of like my intuition impression, but with the literal state of a lot of the, the cards, I'm kind of thinking it's just as likely that they keep the damage on them. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I, yeah, I'm, I am embarrassed and apologetic that I don't have this answer for you because as soon as I realized so we started going through the cassettes, I realized I didn't know the answer to this question. Oh. <laughs> we'll figure it out at some point. I, I'm hoping that uh, will text me back before the interview, before this uh, interview yeah. is over. If not, um, just like we'll we'll figure it out. We'll get it in here somehow. Chris will uh, splice in one of the awkward editor note. I will. Things. I will have an answer for you uh, by tomorrow morning, no matter what. Yes. Um, but yeah, those are those are also <clears throat> the battle cards, uh, and we got confirmation that you know making up a whole lot of the cards you're getting in the set. There are play sets of all of these. Um, mm. So of the 80 cards, 21 of them are uh, the new battle cards. I'm curious to see how this runs. Um, this is this, this is also definitely like something that's going into my pre-cons battle box. Also, because I need to if I don't do if I don't if I don't grab a copy to put in there, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be shredding this apart probably the same day I get it because I, I have a lot of ideas. Um, right. But uh, Aaron, uh, just, just pop over to you. How are you feeling about the new battle cards in this? And have you got any ideas already churning? Um, there, you know, like was said, I think that there's a lot of interesting, um, design space ideas that open up, you know, between, um, you know, not just, you know, 
three copies of it, you know, maybe going crazy wide on mini cassettes and doing some, you know, the buzzsaw ravage frenzy attack and inner groove and some of those that's, you know, a different take on on each thing. You know, you could even do mm. I guess you could kind of use daring counterattack on that even without having blaster around. Because, you know, hey, that gets towards towards the end of the thing when you need to squeeze out, you know. You get you, that six all three of your All three of your Autobots mini cassettes are out. You can s- still have them thunk someone for, for plus three. And sure, maybe there's better ways to do that in there, but maybe you have both of those and some way to accelerate actions. Oh, I mean, yeah, I, I feel like there's... there's- someone's gonna try it at least if if it's not right me. uh trying daring counterattack plus road hugger to just like super buff mm-hmm. whoever the remaining character is that's gonna do the attacking <laughs> i got some, a, a couple of fun anecdotes about the 35th anniversary edition so we right. we knew about we knew that we wanted to do the um uh the original box art from g1 as the character card art um mm-hmm. And then we found out there have never been alt modes done in that style um, that, that we have access to. And uh, hmm. so we, we, we ended up um, working with Marcello Materi to um, recreate the G1 packaging art style for the alt modes. And that's like all of the alt modes across the board on this? On all, all eight characters in the 35th anniversary edition are new art in the style of G1 character packaging huh. art i had been completely fooled by the soundwave alt mode specifically some of them i was kind of side-eyeing a little bit but that soundwave alt mode i was like oh yeah that's from the the swoosh effect thing on some of the packaging obviously mm-hmm. yeah that no completely got me all eight, all eight of those pieces are are new and original to this um and that, oh, that that was really exciting trying to get that to to match up as close as possible yeah um and then another really fun thing and we don't really talk about packaging very much but with Hasbro's help, we got our we were able to get our hands on effectively what was the original G1 packaging style guide. Oh, nice! And so we just like like all right, we're just going to apply this aesthetic to the packaging. So it, when the RGN article has some photos of the packaging, but we were able to pull the um, the original mural that's on the back of all the G1 toys, and so the back of the yeah. the back of the this package has that 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 classic mural. Um, even some some kind of crazy things like the yellow call out boxes. It's like when you're when you're making this stuff, you don't realize what the system is sometimes. And I didn't realize how yellow call out text, those little yellow boxes that you see on the front and the sides on this package, are part of that original style guide. And you see it in uh, on original Transformers toys, but you we're looking at the toy, not the packaging, right? So we kind of forget about it. Right. Yeah. That that also actually makes me really happy that that all of that stuff is still accessible. Um, sometimes as fans, you know, who get in really into the minutiae, like you get worried about the state of some of those more, um, granular aspects of the, yeah. of the brand. Yeah. Those, the um, horror stories of when Kenner shut down and they just threw stuff in dumpsters. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Another interesting thing is that, uh, all the characters face left and for a versus product, we would really want them to face right, face each other. But the original mm-hmm. art doesn't have that. I mean, these these are the kind of minute details that go into the thought when we're creating art and packaging. It's it's it's, it's sometimes it's a little bit nutsy that how deep it dives, but you can't flip mirror flip the art for either one of these characters because they're not symmetrical. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it le- I guess like there's a small a small kind of blessing of Blaster happens to be looking the other way. Absolutely. That is absolutely <laughs> correct. That was the only reason why we thought it looked okay. Yeah. He's looking the other way, and then Soundwave has a visor, so you can kind of just you, your your mind's eye can fill in the pupils in there. Oh, well, Soundwave! I, I imagine he's just ignoring Blaster, right? Like he doesn't no, even yeah. give him the yeah. time of day. Even the character cards, it kind of looks like because they're in that fanned out shape. It looks a little bit less like the Autobots are you know kind of running away, and more like they're all since you can't see Pulse yeah. Frenzy uh, and etc. You imagine they're going in a circle. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Someone asked um, if we're going to see future mini cassettes. It's definitely on the table. I would not say no to future mini cassettes, although I don't have a specific product that has them in yet right now. Yeah. Although I will say bold on you guys for taking a stance in the fur rib wars. I mean, you, we just went back to the original packaging art. From our point of view, that is definitive. What the what was, also, the art on the package is what we said. Rumble alliterates with red, therefore it's correct. That means frenzy's blue. Like it's Everybody remember, if you're going to complain, that's at Vangelis <laughs> on Twitter. Oh, no, that's already happened, because I, I very proudly take that stance. Uh, I'm, that, that's one of my, my pieces of fandom villainy, apparently, is I, I put alliteration above whatever other reason, crazy reason people have for saying Frenzy would be red. Oh, Frenzy means he's frenzied, and that means red. And I'm like, all right. <clears throat> I didn't know the Frenzy had human blood in him to get him all bloodshot to make him red. Uh, maybe go read the fiction. I'm, I'm <laughs> not going to step into this discussion. I'm just going to say <laughs> no. no. We you absolutely the, should not. We just looked at the uh, packaging art from the original toys, and we're like, oh, well, there we go. The easy yep. response is the Hasbro evil or co- overlords were the ones that said it had to be this way, not me. I would have had it the way that you like it, right? Well, you, you guys can't, unfortunately, do the thing that Hasbro can do that is the perfect thing to do, which is release them as a two-pack called Frenzy and Rumble. Uh, where <laughs> either of them are on one side or the other. <laughs> Uh, then you just leave it up to us. <laughs> All the instructions are in grayscale. I mean, technically, you guys have a real easy alternate art promo thing where you just print the Frenzy card and change the name to Rumble. And <laughs> there will be a demographic who would jump all over that. So uh, I, I have, uh, I have a, a, an airdropped message from, uh, from Matt Smith, um, no. who you can probably hear in the background. <laughs> uh, hey, Matt Smith. Hi. Folks. Hello. How are you doing? Can you hear me? Yeah. So uh, Matt Smith is here to answer our questions on Recover Cassette. So question number one, Matt Smith. Does Recover Cassette reset the hit points on the mini cassette who goes back underneath Blaster or Soundwave? Uh, it does. Essentially, when, uh, when the mini cassette is put into that weird kind of underzone, it loses anything. Like, it, it's no longer tracked. Anything that it was tracking before. So that includes okay. upgrades. Upgrades will be uh, will will drop off and be scrapped. They'll drop. They'll no longer be attached to anything, and they'll be scrapped. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, all right. There we all go. Right. So essentially, you're getting that mini cassette restored to its original function. So um, that that was what I was uh, what my belief was as well, which is why we have that card KO itself, because otherwise you could consistently fresh heal your characters. Yeah, it's the first mm-hmm. card yeah, to ever that, do that. that. Was... It's the first card to ever KO itself because it was the first card to ever allow a essentially indefinite loop like that where the game could never for healing finish. yeah 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 okay very cool I, could, could you also ask him if he thinks rumble is red just to confirm I, on the air no i'm, I'm absolutely not because i gave you the answer we looked at the <laughs> packaging <laughs> style guy 
I just like to have more people say yes. Rumble is red. That so, just makes me feel good. So Matt can't actually hear you speaking right now because I have headphones on and I'm relaying it to you. But I'm pretty sure he just guessed what the question was based on his response to me as he was walking about. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he probably thinks that I'm complaining. He needs to know you got you got allies over here. Rumble is red. I mean, you have an ally over here. I guess I should say because no one else agrees with me. But yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's exciting to hear that it's not off the table for there to be more mini cassettes. I would assume you know if there ever were more, they would probably just be showing up in an expansion. Yes, that would be likely. Um, um. and that that does beg the the quick question that I think is is probably like the one other thing people would like to hear more about, which is. Uh, the I guess the delineation between the Spy Patrol and the mini cassettes, um, it, there, there it were has to do entirely with uh, the line of of toys that those particular versions of the characters are inspired by. So, mm, mm, def- okay. so in uh, War for Cybertron Siege, uh, Soundwave and his cassettes are definitively Spy Patrols. The word cassettes doesn't actually even show up. In, okay. in Siege or any of its, its, its writing or literature or, or story guides. Um, whereas in G1, they are definitively cassettes, uh, mini cassettes to be specific. Uh, so we, do, we, we adhered to the versions from the toy lines, and that's something that we're going to continue to do, even though it meant that these two don't operate, the two, the two groups of, of character cards don't operate together. In this case, yeah. it's a pretty extreme example because they had team functions that we needed to, to bake in um, right, but it's, it's probably something that's maybe even more helpful, so that you can push something a little bit further than you would, knowing that it's going to exist in a bit of a vacuum versus having to worry about future concerns. That's correct, and it also allows them to give them a little bit more distinct identity. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want every sound wave to be exactly the same. A deployer in because he has to be right. Like, like right. we got to had do a, a version of sound wave knowing that there would be the deployer version that people really were, you know, we anticipate them enjoying. But we also got to do a Soundwave who gets to play, who gets to be a different take on that. And if we ever do a vehicle version of Soundwave, uh, you know, like a, 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 a tracked vehicle as opposed to a spaceship, tracked vehicle, wheeled vehicle as opposed to a spaceship, because he's shown up a couple of times in that form, um, mm-hmm. he'll have a different identity there too. Well, with um, I guess it's just the, the the one little screwdriver wiggle that someone would want me to do is if if you know if it's not off the table that there may be mini cassettes again down the road, would it also not be off the table that there may be spy patrol members again down the road? Uh, there is at least one additional spy patrol member in Siege Part Two. Huh. Hey, the screwdriver worked. I'll put it back over here in the case. You only right. you only get to use that once per show. <laughs> Yep, that's I, I, why I, I, I save it. I wait until I know there's a little thing in the door. I'm not going to be like, oh, is Blaster going to be in Siege as well? Like, no, we're going to wait until something that's, that's you know, got some some muster to it, some mm-hmm. some some beef. Um, well, uh, yeah, I guess I, that we've, we've gone through most of the, most all the topics we were going to hit here. I guess uh, just, uh, Drew, one last question for you. Did you, uh, now that we've had the Siege launch happen, we've had some, you know, poll reports, we've had sealed reports, a couple constructor reports as well. Has anything taken you by surprise so far in the uh, the opening Siege one month? I would say more people than we expected going into Siege were dismissing Battlemasters um, until people started playing with them. And uh, the critical moment for me was when someone posted in the fan group about Lionizer and was like, oh, Lionizer just put in some real work. 
And uh, that was the moment where I realized people would get Battlemasters, even, even with all the upgrade hate that exists in this, in this game, and, and rightfully so. The Battlemasters mm. are good. Oh, yeah. Playing sealed, uh, you know, and never pulling quartermaster when I had a battlemaster on my team. Uh, I, I noticed that the pattern that still existed for them is for the most part, uh, outside of like maybe like some kind of corner case, uh, you will get one swing with a battlemaster in, in weapon mode. That's correct. And, and depending on that battlemaster, if you have a deck that's that that takes advantage of it, for example, if you're praying Taraxodon in a deck that cares about white pips, you're likely to be able to get the special ability or do the particular thing. Hey pals, it's your editor here, and I just want to say what you're all probably about to yell at us, and it's true. There is a way around this when you're not in Siege 1 Sealed, and that is to direct damage the Battlemaster in question to turn him into a weapon, and then use Enforcement Batons to nullify them. You're correct. And I was still thinking about Wave 3 Sealed when we were having this conversation. Yeah. I mean, I, I played against a very red-white. That was also kind of rare for that sealed environment. Like, often you kind of just ended up leaning blue with with black. Um, I just found through card pulls it seemed fairly common in our area. But uh, one friend of mine was able to build a very white-orange-based uh, deck with Major Prowl, which was terrifying already, and uh, had Taraxodon. I didn't know about the white-leaning, so I'd set up a two-turn plan to eliminate Taraxodon, and Taraxodon's one swing... Uh, hit Ion Storm for something like f- 13 damage. Oh. <laughs> uh, which, which very much, I still, hey, guess what? Taraxodon still got KO'd right after that, but that didn't really matter anymore. <laughs> Taraxodon had just done 13 damage to Ion Storm. Uh, and uh, Nightstick also on Ion Storm was just doing some work. Uh, so if you, if you plan around the idea that your guaranteed Battlemaster tech is they give you your probably game-winning swing. It felt to me like that explained their function without having the the Quartermaster crutch right there to lean on. It's interesting. Um, I'm using Quartermaster in a deck uh, that doesn't include any Battlemasters. I've got um, the deck that I'm currently playing for fun is uh, um, uh, Ultra Magnus, his armor, and Jetfire. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so the way that deck works is Ultra Mag- at the beginning of the game, Ultra Magnus fe- fetches his armor, and then he goes in and does some, some heavy lifting until his armor is removed. And that, that's inevitable, right? And then right. Jetfire gets it back. Um, and now Jetfire is gigantic. And if you need to switch it over, the armor back over to. I only play one armor. I don't need, I don't, I'm not paying the, the, the price for two. Um, and. Quartermaster. I have, I have one copy of Quartermaster in the deck specifically to move the the Ultra Magnus armor back to Ultra Magnus if I need to. That, okay. That Magnus armor on non Magnus characters has been consistently a really fun uh, scenario to go into. Uh huh. Um, especially when it's on a MicroMaster. Uh huh. It's really fun on a MicroMaster. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, that armor is some worth the two stars if you've got a deck that can take advantage of of more than just the the um the plus two plus two. I want one of our local guys talked about a scenario where he basically had the the Magnus armor and the Matrix on top shot. Oh uh, God! And I was what? like, yeah, that's you just you built tiny Ultra Magnus. He's, yeah. <laughs> he's just chilling out. Um, uh, very cool. Yeah, Battlemasters are something I still I I I I feel like I thought I knew what they were and I don't anymore. Yeah, um, I was I did some two booster sealed and ended up with blowpipe and. And across all the cards, I think I had multiple 
multiple color pip cards. And so almost every attack on that was doing way more than it should have and just really showed how battle masters can, you know, change that. The whole way that you look at some of the construction stuff on, you know, five or six pips. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, myself and uh, my friend Ryan Loda Hoopla on Twitter. Uh, locally, we, we both spend a lot of time with Nemesis Prime, uh, just just building with them. Uh, Ryan also spends a lot of time with Thundercracker. And uh, we've both been brewing around with, with Nemesis Prime. He ran a thing with uh, Nemesis and uh, Aimless and Flame War. Uh, entirely based on the idea that, that Aimless is just going to blow through most of your deck on defense. Um, and so I'm, I'm trying out a permutation of that with, uh, instead of Flame War, I'm having Demolisher to see if, if uh, instead of having Global Tough 1, if I just have two characters who blow through lots of cards on attacks and defense, uh, is that going to lead to something as well? And, I, uh, I think that's a great thing for you to test. That sounds really exciting. We're having some fun with that. It's it's kind of to me. It's kind of like a lot of the like, it's, you know, not a huge player base, but decent player base of about ten to fifteen people, and uh, like Thundercracker and Nemesis Prime are kind of two of the omnipresent threats in the Toronto area. If uh, anyone is ever visiting, oh wait, a bunch of you are this weekend for TFCon. Have fun dealing with us. Uh, we welcome you to Thundercracker Town, uh, <laughs> where the the flips are always brainstorming and the Thundercrackers always swinging in for way too much. Um, anything else, Aaron, you want to, you want to pop in? You got any, any burning questions for Drew? You still got to, I mean, I haven't taught you screwdriver tech, but I'm, I'm sure you can. No, I'm, I'll leave the screwdriving to you. I want to just keep, keep that relationship friendly without coming at him with hardware. <laughs> in Tro- in Toronto, it's considered friendly to come at someone with a yeah. screwdriver when you're not, you know, when you're just going for a, for a wiggle. Really? Yeah. No, I thought, it's not. That's, Don't do that's, that. If you... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not Don't what I heard Toronto. about Canada. Don't come to Toronto with a screwdriver wiggling it at people going like, I heard on the TCG podcast this is cool because I'm going to disavow yeah. any knowledge of that. Do that like, at customs as you try and cross any of you Americans. Uh, I don't think customs I, guy, I just don't... pull that screwdriver out. I'm friendly. And I then see what happens. Don't think that's a good idea. No, it's not. Aaron's trying to just like get less people there so he can win the TCG games in, in, in Toronto. That's what he's trying to do. It's, uh, it's, it's Gen Con I got to be weeding people out at. I, I, well, you yeah. I, so I will be at Gen Con. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Scott Van Essen will be at Gen Con, and mm-hmm. Matt Smith will be at Gen Con, along with hey. all, all of the fine folks at, at Pastimes Games. And you will you will have an opportunity. Fans will have an opportunity to pick up the uh, Last of Versus Soundwave 35th Anniversary Edition uh, at Gen Con. I'm really looking forward to see all, seeing all of you. Yeah, and uh, obviously, like. Uh, going off the origins reports, hang out with the TCG folks, uh, the, the people working on the game and the people showing up to play it. Um, and also check with your local store if you're getting to do a, a qualifier locally. And if you're not, uh, see what you can do to get a community going. I, I didn't touch on this right away, but I had a little gasp earlier. Aaron, you have a local community now? Yeah, there there were two other people that showed up, so not enough to to pull the trigger on anything official. But hey, you're close but... to just bully someone to be yeah. the fourth. And you can... <laughs> Yeah, I just wanted to go like get a DCI card. Like, look, it's Mister Forrington. Well, that's uh, that's in the rules. That's uh, under yeah. <laughs> under uh, under cheating coercion, I believe. So yeah, we, you no. can't be doing that. Um, so since but, you guys uh, that's... since you guys raised that point, um, I do want to say to everybody out there, uh, if your store is eligible to run a qualifier, um, 
ask them when they're going to run it because what we did is we set up the qualifiers in Wizards Event Reporter, which is the system that everybody who runs a WPN store uses to manage tournaments. And we right. set it at the date as September 30th in the system. And you can go in and change that. You don't have to run it on the mm-hmm. 30th. You can run it whenever the store wants from now until the 30th. Uh, but they do have to actually edit the date for that to happen. Um, right. So let your, let your store owners and store managers know um, that they can go in and change that date so that they can run the qualifier at a date that works for everybody in the store. Yeah. That is a discussion I've had with the local store, and it's a matter of I've got two or three other people I know in town that were collecting the cards for artwork, and I'm trying to be like, look, but you can build a deck and come out and learn how to play and then maybe win other stuff. You could build and, them a deck. I yeah. Mean, just build them Firecons or Insecticons or cars. I mean, yeah. Maybe cars is a bit tricky, but you could build them a straightforward look, just go forward yeah, attack. Right. Like, uh, and, and anyone out there who's been buying a lot of dupe cards, like you've got the stock to make a basic aggro deck, most likely. Uh, and and that's a great way to get someone interested if you if they don't have to worry about learning the deck building system right away. Just go like, here, right. use this. Yeah, here, play this. <clears throat> Which is kind of what I'm hoping for, to bring it back around, the uh, this, this two-pack... Uh, this two deck system to be just like, hey, look, here's these two things, blam blam. Let's like sit down and play, and they're built to be balanced against each other before we get gross and go and have some fun, and then bring them in. Yeah, and uh, I should also just throw in because uh, I keep forgetting this until I remember it. Uh, Packs unplugged. I believe there is a last minute qualifier there. Last chance qualifiers. Yes. So yes. if you haven't managed to qualify, Pastimes Games will be running um, uh, some number, I don't think they've announced yet, of qualifier tournaments at the very beginning of the show. So it, it's like the first day of the show. So you can come yeah. to sign up and get you know one last shot to get in if you haven't gotten a qual yet. And that was good news for me because I am getting closer to getting concrete on uh, going to PAX Unplugged because I decided that I would like to go to PAX Unplugged even if I don't qualify because that's where the big thing's going to happen and I want to see it happen. Uh, so hopefully I'll make it to PAX Unplugged. Fingers crossed. Yep. Uh, com- completely off topic. I'm, I'm also going to go to Germany in September. Woo! Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah, I haven't been since 06. I, that's, that's where half my family is. Uh, so we're just secured. We're going to do that for 10 days in the, the beginning of September. Uh, and then my mom was like, oh, you should bring the TCG along and uh, get it going in Germany. And I was like, that's not my call, but I could still bring it. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> Germany is not a place because, because you support. have this big X-ray <laughs> blocking <of> mass. <laughs> that, you know, as a TCG game designer and brand manager, that has happened to me multiple times in my life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that that happened to me going out to L.A. So, I I learned uh, when I when I started doing traveling with with cards in the last year, um, and I also learned that mo- if you get lucky and you just say, "Oh, it's like Magic: The Gathering," they go, "Oh," and then they'll just close it back up and give you your luggage back, because uh, they some agents have been through that. A large stack of cards looks like a thing in X Ray. It basically. sure does. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like a spooky shape, and uh, it isn't. Uh, when they see its cards, they'll usually leave you alone. You know what else looks like a spooky shape, according to John Shork? The uh, the trophy from Origins. Whoa, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Little crystal cube? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, I bet so. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I also just recently saw, um, on the Magic side, a creator, uh, Tolarian Community College, put up a video. Uh, 
showing deck boxes that didn't get him in trouble and showing the deck box that gets him stopped, and it is a deck box that is literally a skull. Um, <laughs> looks like a human skull with a slot in the back of its head for your cards. And it's kind of like, well, yeah, that is going to get you stopped. Uh, most probably. But, uh, hey, Drew, thank you for coming by and uh, sharing some tidbits and talking to us about all the new cards. Absolutely. Happy travels, and I can't wait to see you guys at, at upcoming events. Yeah, you'll, you'll be yeah, seeing yeah. Aaron. Uh, we've, we've secured that. Well, I'll, I'll be seeing you at a PAX Unplugged also. <laughs> That's right. You're going to see me there because I'm going to go. Aaron, I'm telling myself that. Aaron, I can't believe we're less than a month away from Gen Con. Yeah, it's, all, all of this is coming up very rapidly. All and right. and I, 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 I understand how time flows, but it frequently catches me off guard. Do you, do you remember how um, we, we first discovered folding combiner cards? Remember long ago when that happened? Mm-hmm. Did mm-hmm. you know that was this year? That that podcast yeah. was this year. Yeah, yeah, it was. I went back to look at the date on that one because I was like, oh, man, how long ago was that? It's like, oh, February. I'm like, oh, oh. huh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, this year has gone so fast. There's been a lot happening. Uh, but yeah, uh, amidst all the things to happen, probably more TCG podcasting. So if you enjoyed listening to this uh, and you like hearing us just talk about Transformers, we also have a podcast called WTF at TFW, which is about Transformers and other stuff. Uh, the TCG podcast do show up on YouTube as well. If you're listening on YouTube, hey, uh, welcome. But also go check out our, our other stuff if you like it. Uh, either way, there will be more of both podcasts and other kinds of podcasts maybe who knows uh in the future so stay tuned for that uh thank you aaron and drew for joining me and uh you both and all you out there please stay safe It means, but you got some badass perpetrators and they're here to stay.